We're going to get into the second installment, part two. All right, we'll give you guys a couple more seconds. Ten seconds. Five seconds to sit down. Amen. <laughs> Three. Two. Amen. Can you give me an amen? I can make sure you're there with me. Praise God. Um, today, we'll be getting into our second uh, installment, second part of our series, He's Calling You Out. Uh, and I wanted to kind of, I wanted to introduce Pastor Javi because, um, because of the reason why I called him. Um, I, I've, I've, I've heard testimonies and I've heard many preachers and I've gone to different conferences where I've seen pastors or preachers that have done um, some of these things. And it's one of those things that you're scared when you hear them, but it's one of those things that you're jealous over. And you'll see what I'm talking about. And it's almost like, God, I want that life. Have you ever heard someone speak and you're like, Lord, I want that? Anyone here? And it's not really the individual, but it's what Christ is doing in them. Anyone? All right. Um, the reason why I asked Pastor Javi, I told him about our series titled, He's Calling Us Out. And as we were planning for it, I said, I really want the church to hear your story. And um, you've probably been to conferences like me and heard speakers like me where they've picked up their bags and they've just served the Lord on this place and on this place and on that place. And, and you're like, how do they do that? How do they continue to believe in God when everything looks unbelievable? And um, that's part of God's call in our lives where um, the impossible becomes possible in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? And um, Pastor Javi is, um, I'm blessed to, to have two pastors in my life who I could consider pastors. And that's Pastor Leo and Pastor Javi. Pastor Javi is actually Pastor Leo's older brother. Uh, Pastor Javier Acosta is our overseeing pastor. He oversees our ministry as well. And um, I don't know where I'd be without his ministry and without his love and without his care. And, and I want to end and I want to introduce him with this right here. Pastor Javi is the one that um, they, I, I was kind of rebelling towards God and I was living in sin. And um, um, they were like, you need to go to this retreat. I was going to youth group. And um, I was living a lie. I was living in sin and I, at a young age. And the second day of that retreat, I went for all the wrong reasons. I always talk to you about that day. I was in the last seat, in the last chair, the last row of the service. And I was slouched back, you know, my big gold chain out. My hair was all crazy. I had high socks up to my knees. My shorts were dropped. I, it was just one of those messy things when you're young. And, um, yeah, it was weird. And um, Pastor... Javi went up and he spoke the second service of that retreat. And um, I remember that I was slouched back and it was almost as if Javi opened up the book of my life and God used him that day. And that was the day where the Lord really transformed my life. And it was through his ministry and through his, his preaching. And I went up to the altar call and I've shared this many times with you. For two hours I was on that altar call after the service ended. And I had to sit down on a chair because I was just drunk in the Lord that I couldn't even stand. I was just weeping and I was weak. And when I came back, my life was just transformed forever. I've never been the same since then. I've been serving the Lord faithfully since then. And uh, I can't thank God enough, God enough for his ministry and for that preaching that pierced my heart. And really, it was God working through him because it was time for me. And the Lord said, now, amen. And uh, I am thrilled to have him with us. It's not every day. He travels a lot. He has his own church down south by Metro Zoo, and um, it's hard to get him, and he's blessing us with his presence, with the word, and with his life today of that God is calling us out. The message is amazing, um, God's call. I hope you're ready with all excitement because we are an excited church, with all love, with all reverence. Can you honor the man of God today and honor Javi Acosta, amen? Good morning, and uh, it, it really is a pleasure to be here. I keep waiting for <laughs> I have a translator at church, so I'm waiting for her to translate next to me, but she's back there translating. So it'll get me a little while to get into the groove of things, and I'll get, I'll get going. I know I always say that, but it's rare that I don't travel or have a translator uh, with me. You know, a lot of our churches are bilingual, and our church in Miami is truly bi is more than bilingual. We, I guess we're trilingual or multi-language. We uh, uh, translate simultaneously in Spanish from the front, and we are now translating through headphones in Creole. We have uh, 10 Haitian people that are attending our church, 
Eight of them have become members of our church, and that is a tremendous blessing for us. One of the new members of our church has an orphanage in Haiti, in which we are heavily involved in, and we are taking a trip in June to go back to the orphanage. Uh, there's about 12 children, which the sister uh, basically uh, raises and uh, educates them, feeds them. It's a, it's a place, uh, a safe haven uh, for many kids uh, in, in that city. Last week, as your pastor was sharing, I, I received a call from him, and he told me what the series was about. And, uh, you know, this is a very broad subject, and I'm, I'm kind of happy that, that he's taking time to, to make a series out of it. And he asked me to, to come and share, and that week I told him that I was fixing on calling him to schedule a time where I can come over, um, because it has, has been a while uh, since I've been here. So the fact that he called me and I was planning on calling him, you put those two things together, and I believe this is God's doing, uh, that I'm here today sharing what I'm going to share. Um, I am going to share, you know, some life experiences and things that, that I've been through, but the reality is the Word of God, if that doesn't push you, encourage you, and challenge you to do what God has called you to do, nothing will. And, um, you know, my life in the Lord has, has I, I don't think I'm a usual person. My, my wife says I'm, I'm not normal. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I take it as a good thing. You know, sometimes normality is not a very good thing. But God has a, a way of, of dealing with me and, 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 and calling me and working in me that, that I think is quite unique. Uh, I think each one of us are unique. And the great thing about God is that he deals so specific with each and every one of us that to me it, it's, it's, it's really awe-inspiring to, to see that and, and to know that God has or takes that much care in my life and so much detail with me that I, I just feel really humbled. Humble doesn't seem to do that justice. But for those of you who may not know me, I came to the Lord 22 years ago after hearing him call me unto salvation. I had walked into a church about two years prior to that, and my mom forced me to go to church. I was, you know, being a rebellious child. I was acting up in school. All those things that, that, that kids do to, to moms when, when dad's not around. And, and, and my dad was there, but he wasn't there. And I just started to rebel. And, and one day we woke up, and my mom says, you're going to church. And I told my mom, I stopped going to church. We were raised Catholics. And uh, I made a decision, I think I was 10 or 11 years old, um, she was getting us ready for church one day, and I was sick and tired of church, it was the longest hour of my life for me. And uh, one of those mornings, I said to my mom, I don't want to go, she says, you have to go. And uh, I looked over at my dad, and my dad's just hanging out, I said, dad's not going to church, why do I need to go to church? My dad went, mm, I guess he's right, so nobody went to church. <laughs> And, uh, you know, our family just, just if, if I tell you a roller coaster ride, it, it doesn't do it justice. I mean, we really had a, a dysfunctional family. Anybody here come from a dysfunctional family? All right, praise God. Look, we turned out fairly normal. At least we're decent citizens. <laughs> or they've allowed you to leave for a couple hours for church, whatever, whatever it is. But um, I came from a dysfunctional family, uh, and um, I don't wish that on anybody. And then again, kids who were raised... In a, again, quote-unquote normal home, they have their own issues. Uh, my kids are, have been raised in the Lord and in church, and they're going to have different issues than I have. But nonetheless, we're still going to have real issues. Um, it was 22 years ago, I, I walked into a church on a Resurrection Sunday. Anybody go to church for the first time on Resurrection Sunday? Nobody? I'm the only one? No, well, I guess I'm, the, I'm, I'm one of the few that entered church on a Resurrection Sunday and stayed. Uh, I walked into a church... And uh, I knew more about hell than I did God. And uh, I, I was sick and tired uh, of living a, a, a hellish life. And that Sunday morning, that pastor said, if, if you don't want to go to hell, you need to receive the Lord into your life. I literally ran to the altar. I actually had to go back. I visited church with my girlfriend, who's my wife at the time. I had to go back to her, her chair. I had left her there. And I said, listen, I'm getting saved today. I really don't know what that is, but if you want to get saved, come up, come up with me. And she came forward, and, and we, got, we got saved. You know, I didn't know a lot, but I, I knew that, that I had heard God's voice. And God was calling me for eternal life with him. Um, Fourteen years ago, we entered into the ministry to serve the Lord full time, to give, give him our lives and do whatever it is he wanted us to do. Now, that call 
that was placed over my life. Not the call of salvation, but the call into the ministry. And uh, I'm really not going to get into this much, but maybe your pastor will throughout this series. There's different aspects of God's call. There's, within God's call, there are different calls. And that, that main call is that call unto salvation. But as he saves you, he places different calls over your life. And we realized that he was calling us into the full-time ministry. And when we entered, we, we came in to serve the Lord. And um, in the first five years, I learned what it is to be a pilgrim and a stranger in the Lord. The first five years, we moved. Our family moved six times in five years. And it wasn't from like North Miami to Miami. No, no, or Hialeah to Miami Garden. No, 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 it wasn't anything like that. It was Miami to Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico to Miami, Miami to Connecticut, Connecticut to Ohio, and Ohio back to Miami. You know those types of moves where you don't want to box anything, you just want to burn it all and buy and start new, <laughs> buy everything new and start from scratch? Those are my moves. And uh, I live that type of lifestyle, and I still live it to this day. I, I tell my church members all the time, I'm here to serve the Lord until I die. But... You better believe that if God calls me out, I have to leave. And um, that scares some people, but it also allows them to, to respect me for my decision to serve the Lord. I made a commitment to God. Wherever and whenever he calls, I will be there. Now, I don't want to stand before you and say, oh, the moment he called, I said, here I am, God, I'm ready to serve you. No, there's been some battles along the way, but I can honestly stand before you today and say to you, that when he called, I answered. I may have argued a little bit. I may have wanted a little more explanation. Maybe I wanted a sign or two. But at the end of the day, we moved because we heard God call. And when you hear God call, that's all that matters. I'm not saying that signs aren't bad. All those things are good. But if you know that you know that you know that God has called you, if you can identify the voice of Jesus. By the way, Jesus said... My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. And they what? And they follow me. If you can identify the voice of Jesus over every other voice, that is your flesh, that is your will, that is the voice of the enemy, if you can identify his voice over every other voice, it is your responsibility, your duty as a child of God to respond to that call, whatever that call may be. Now, if 22 years ago somebody would have told me, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to move, uproot your family countless times. You're going to be someone who lays no roots or establishes no roots in their city, ready to go at a moment's notice. I would have turned around and left that church immediately because I wanted no part of that. At that moment, I wanted no part of that. I just did not want to go to hell. That's all I wanted. I just wanted... God to, to treat me well. I was expecting my life to go on, you know, status quo, just without the guilt of sin and be able to enter heaven when I die. That's all I wanted. But God had more. And that initial call was unto salvation. But God knew beforehand those specific words, those quote-unquote calls that he was going to speak over my life. Now, this whole thing about the call of God, it really is a unique thing, Okay. It's not something that can be explained in one, two, three messages. This is an ongoing thing. Even your individual call, you will see that unfold and develop every passing day. To this day, I know that God has called me to be a pastor. And I'm talking just ministry now. I know that God has called me to be a pastor, but I also have uh, local responsibilities and international responsibilities within our council. Somebody asked me, well, how can you explain it? I don't know. I'm just serving God. What does the future hold for you? I don't know. But I know that God is with me. I know that God goes before me. I know that when that moment comes for whatever it is that's going to happen, I'll be ready. Because it's God who has called me to these things. I'm not going before God. And by the way, any impatient people in here today, show of hands. We have a tendency to go before God, right? We're walking with God. We say, God's going to bless me. And we turn around and God's not there. That's happened to me. I'm like, come on, God, let's go. Let's get to it. You know, for those of you like me who are impatient, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And I know that's hard to hear, but I have a word of encouragement for you. Waiting on the Lord is not sitting down and doing nothing. Waiting on the Lord is continuing on in the things that God has already spoken to you. It's not just sitting there and wait. No, it's not like, like at a bus stop. No. 
You know, I've never taken a bus for that very reason. I can't stand that. I can't stand waiting around for... Um, we, my wife and I, our church gave us a gift to go to New York last year. And I was a little leery about the whole subway system. You know, I thought about it was going to be dirty and crowded and all this stuff. But the, what I loved about the subway system is that there's a train like every one or two minutes. I mean, you don't have to wait long. You stand there, you miss your train, just wait a couple minutes, there's another train coming by. I love that. It's a, it's a great thing for people who are impatient. You know, with God, you have to just continue going on in the things that, that he's spoken to you about. And like I was saying earlier, the call, the call of God, it really is an extraordinary thing. It, it's, such a, it, it's so vast that sometimes we make the mistake of generalizing it when we shouldn't. But it's very difficult to speak specifically about the call of God because each one of our call is different. We're all called to salvation. But in that walk, we're all different. God has given you each a different grace, a different talent, a different character. How about a different attitude? We're all different, different personalities. Some of us are outgoing. Some of us are timid. Some of us are both. And, you know, you need prayer. We'll pray for you. Don't worry. It's okay. Some of us, you know, we're just so different. But God, God has called you that way. He's still going to make changes in you. He still has to work in you. But the call of God is such, I don't want to say a touchy subject, but it really is a mystery. I'll explain. It's simultaneously general and yet specific. It both defines and it also raises questions. God's call includes, but it also excludes. God's call is clear, yet it is not fully revealed. God's call brings you peace, yet it can also intimidate. God's call opens doors. And it also shuts doors. God's call fulfills, but it also humbles. God's call causes some to stand on solid ground. And for others, it's the reason they no longer stand. There are three aspects of his call that I want to share on today. And number one is the fact that God's call sanctifies you. Now, many people make the mistake of, of grouping uh, sanctification and holiness. They are not the same thing. Sanctification is, is God's call, there's a key word of the day, God's call over your life unto Him. God has called each of you for something. But never forget that above all, God is calling you to Himself. And I want you to realize that. God has something for you. But God, above all, is calling you to Himself. And that is sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Oftentimes people are praying, What's God's will for my life? What does God want for me? What's my purpose? Above all, God's will is your sanctification. That's God's calling you. God drawing you unto himself. Holiness is not the same, I repeat. Why? Because holiness is the, the result of sanctification. As God draws you to himself, you become holy. You can't wait to be holy to then come to God. You know, as people say, well, I'm not ready for church. I'm not ready for God. I'm not ready for water baptism. I'm not ready for discipleship. I'm not ready to be part of a member of the church. You never will be. Just draw near to God. I'll never be holy. Well, if you don't start coming near to God, you never will be holy. But as you draw closer and closer to God, that makes you holy. Holiness is not about the things you can no longer do. That's not holiness. That's tradition. Those are rules. That's legalism. Holiness is the result of you walking with God. As you walk with God, believe you me, God will point out the things that need changed in your life. And he's not going to start with the outside. He's going to start with the inside. Because we can look really holy, but inside we be, we're going to be dead tombs. It's not how you look, it's what's going on inside, okay? But God's call over your life begins with sanctification. You're never going to hear anything from God unless you're close to God. You know, a lot of times we, we, we talk about prayer and reading the Word of God. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you here this morning. If you don't read, okay, God's Word, if you don't pray, you're never going to know what it is to be called by God. Never. There are people in my church who only use their Bible on Sunday mornings. 
They never forget their Bible to church because it's in their car. I know that doesn't happen here in New Life North. And nowadays we have our phone on our, uh, our, our Bible on our phone, on our iPad, and you never forget the Bible. But I tell you what, if you don't own a Bible and you're reading out of something this big, I guarantee you, you don't have a very deep revelation of God's Word. Now, I'm not saying the bigger your Bible is, the more spiritual you are. But is this falling on the right ears? It's very hard to get into the Word of God when you're looking through a little thing like that and you've got to scroll. I got a guy in my church who says, Pastor, I only use my phone. I can make the words bigger. I said, how many words fit on that screen? Five? <laughs> but, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Talk to God. Just talk to God. It's amazing that we're not people who know how to pray, but when things are going bad, we never miss a prayer meeting. <laughs> you know, in my church, I, I, uh, I made some changes, and we no longer have an organized prayer meeting. We now have alternating Wednesdays where we meet, the women meet one Wednesday and the men meet the following Wednesday. But I have a sister in my church who's in charge of, of the, the prayer ministry. And she came up to me after and she said, Pastor, you know, I, I love the fact that we're having women's group and men's group, but why did we, did we do away with prayer meeting? And I said, well, there's two reasons. Number one is, this way more people can get involved in church and we're not removing prayer because at the end of each meeting, we have some time of prayer. But I said, but you want to know the second reason why we cancel prayer meeting? And she said, why? I said, because people aren't praying. People aren't praying. They're not praying at home. They're not going to come to church and pray. If you can pray at home and you don't pray, why would you come to church to pray together? How's your attendance for prayer meeting? Is it shaking? Is it doing a little? Huh? Horrible, your pastor says. Don't feel bad. Mine is the same way. So what are we going to do? Are we going to accept mediocre? Or are we going to say, no, I'm going to continue. I'm going to pray whether I don't have prayer meeting at church and we're going to meet the needs of others. I'm still going to be seeking God. This is for those who want to hear God's call over their life. If you want to hear the call of God over your life, you have to be close to him. You have to know his word. You have to be so close to God that communication with him is not something out of the ordinary. One of the scriptures or portions of scriptures that really impacts my life is the relationship that Jesus had with John. John the beloved, he was called. He was the favorite disciple. You know, some people say, oh, the pastor has favorites. Yeah, the pastor has favorites. I'm a pastor and I have favorites. You want to know who my favorites are? The ones that are closest to me. Your pastor smiling over here saying, that doesn't happen here. Believe him if you may. Is that so bad? Jesus had favorites. The multitudes followed him. For three days they followed him. Who did he speak plainly to? His disciples. Twelve favorites. Within those twelve favorites... He had three favorites. And within those three, he had one. New Life North, if you don't like that, take that up with God, not me. But do you know God has favorites? And God's favorites are those who are near to him. God loves the whole world. He gave his son for, his whole world, for the whole world. But his favorites are those who are near to him. John leaned on the bosom of Jesus. Jesus didn't even have to raise his voice. Jesus can mum could have mumbled, and John the Beloved was there to hear. God does have favorites. His favorites are those who hear the call and respond to the call. And if you didn't like that point, you're definitely not going to like the other points I have for you. <laughs> Holiness is not what you leave behind, but rather what lies ahead. Number two. Walk worthy of the call. I got to be honest with you. I can share on this for weeks on end. As a matter of fact, I did at my church. You hear that walking worthy of the call. That's what Paul pens to the, to the believers in Ephesus. 
He says to them, walk worthy of the calling. How many of you here can acknowledge that God has a call over your life? Walk worthy of that call. Walk worthy of the call. Don't accept failure in your life. Don't accept mediocrity. It's very easy to place high standards for other people. But woe unto us if we don't place even higher standards on ourselves. You walk worthy of the call by being careful. Sin can easily defile and contaminate you. And there is also the weight of this world that can slow you down. Be careful because sin and weight can easily ensnare you, as the writer of Hebrews writes. Don't be so set on sin that you think to yourself, well, I don't sin anymore, yet you're walking around all weighted up. All oppressed because of all the things that this life has given you. All the things that God has given you to do. You know, there's people that are weighed down because of godly responsibility. You know what? Those responsibilities aren't going to go anywhere. They're going to remain there. What did Jesus say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my what? My burden is light. Oh, don't forget that there is a burden in the Lord. Jesus said it. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you accept the call, get ready. Get ready to surrender the foreign yoke and be ready to put on your life the yoke and the burden that Jesus Christ has for you. Be precise. If you're going to answer the call of God and walk in a worthy manner, be precise. Do what God wants, when He wants you to do it, and how He wants you to do it. How God wants you to do it. How do I know the way God wants me to do it? When you do it the other way and it doesn't work out. When God tells you to do something and you think to yourself, that's too hard. Let me find an easier way to do it. Earlier this week, God, if my son hears me, thank God he didn't come. Earlier this week, I have, I have uh, three children. My oldest daughter is 15, my middle daughter is 12, and my little boy is 9 years old. My oldest daughter is me. Her character, she looks like my wife, but she is mini-me. And uh, that's another story for another day, but... My middle daughter is my wife. That's her character. And uh, I get along much, much better with my middle daughter pretty much than any one of my other kids. My wife prayed when, when she was pregnant with our firstborn. She said, God, she said this, and this, I'm not lying. She said, God, give her Javi's character. She regrets that prayer every day <laughs> since then. And she learned her lesson. So... With our second child, she prayed, God, make Emily just like me. And her and Emily are always butting heads. See, I would have stopped praying after the first one. On the third one, she lifted up a lofty prayer and she said, God, make him like you. And God has a sense of humor and he made our son Andrew a little bit like me and a little bit like her. And this week we saw something come out of Andrew that was not, it was definitely not God. And I usually don't pick up my kids in the afternoon from school, but that day it, it so happened that, that it was my, my wife asked me to do it and, and I went to go pick them up at school. My kid comes into the car and he, he was the first one in the car and he looks at me and he says, Papi, my teacher gave me a note today for no reason. How many of you ever gotten those notes for no reason? <laughs> for no reason. I said, well, what'd you do? He says, well, I was in line and I was going like that with my friend and I hit my friend and my teacher said, that's enough, Andrew. I'm writing you a note. So I, I know their school's a little strict, but I said, for no reason? That's all you did this week? He says, well, Poppy. He says, show me the note. And I quote, Andrew is out of control. I have given him many warnings, but they don't seem to work. Funny, huh? It wasn't funny right there. 
Here is Andrew. One of three kids that FCS has been very generous to. The son of a pastor. So I look at my son and I start just things running through my head. What would my dad do? I couldn't do that here in the car because everybody's looking at me. I remember don't correct in anger because you never want to discipline a child in anger. You want to discipline your kids, but you don't want to discipline in anger. So I took a couple breaths and I said, this is where we're going to start. You're going to go right now to that teacher. And you're going to apologize for your behavior. And you're going to assure her that this never happens again. Do you know what assure is? He says, yes, pop. <laughs> so let's go. So he looked at me. He ran to, her te to his teacher. Before he went out there, I know he was looking at me and deciding, figuring out if there was another way around this. If there was an easier, less embarrassing way to go around this. But there wasn't. And he went and he apologized to his teacher. And yes, for those of you who are wondering, he's been on lockdown this week and it will continue for quite a while. Sometimes God speaks to us. He's clear with us and immediately... Rather than looking and wondering how God will glorify himself, we're wondering for an easy way out. We're looking for a better option. We can't do that. If we're going to answer God's call over our life, we have to be precise. Doing what God wants us to do, when he wants us to do it, and how he wants us to do it. There are many people, many Christians, and I use that word in quotations, many Christians who have convinced themselves that they are doing the will of God. And all they've done is deceive themselves. One of the scariest scriptures in all of the New Testament is found in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through verse 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who, what? Does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. They were familiar with the Christian lingo. You know how when you can tell somebody's churched? Most people who say the big man upstairs are not churched people. Right? The big man upstairs. This person speaking to Jesus doesn't, doesn't say to him, you're the big man upstairs. No, no, no. He uses church terminology. And he says, Lord, Lord. Have we not prophesied in your name? So not only were they churchgoers, they were believers and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't prophesy unless you do it through the Holy Spirit. Haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out demons in your name? Not only were they believers filled with the Holy Spirit, they worked signs and wonders. They were doing a lot of things that many people don't do. Haven't we done many wonders in your name? Jesus says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. If that doesn't scare you into obeying the call of God, I don't know what will. There are many people that are living their lives day in, day out, deceiving themselves, thinking that they're doing God's will, and all they're doing is going along with the whole show of things. They've gotten into a rhythm, and they're doing things that look great, Things that bless other people, but inside, they're totally missing the mark. Because God's call over your life many times is not public in its initial state. It's private. It's sensitive. It's private. It's intimate. And nobody may ever find out what God's true call over your life is. But I'm here to tell you today, you can go to church. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can function in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You can cast out demons. You can prophesy. You can work wonders. But if you haven't answered the call of God over your life, you will hear Jesus say to you, depart from me. I never knew you. Beloved, we have to be precise when God calls us. Be diligent. I hope your pastor didn't tell you there's going to be a hip, hip, parade type of message. But if he did, you know, he, he needs... Uh, to ask you for forgiveness. 
He asked me to share the way God deals with me and the way I've responded to God. I'm the type of person that's all or nothing. When I came to the Lord and I realized what was at stake, I told the Lord, I don't want to play games. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to play church. I'm going to live my life for you. And if I don't live my life for you, I'm going to throw it all in and live my life in the world. Because if I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to enjoy it. See, I don't understand people that play with the world and in church. What are you doing? Make a choice. Because you're not going to heaven. And you're upsetting everybody in the world. I tell people all the time, if you're going to go to hell, you might as well enjoy it here for 50 or 60 years. Because hell is a long time. And it would suck to have lived your life in and out of the world and in and out of the Lord and then find out you're going to hell. So I told the Lord, I'm going to serve you with everything I have. It's going to be all or nothing. And that's the way God deals with me. As my wife says, I'm not normal. With God's call over your life, be diligent. I love Proverbs 12. It says, diligence is man's precious possession. Please, never pray for diligence. God won't give you diligence. Diligence is your precious possession. What is diligence? Diligence is a strict decision. If God is God, then serve him. You decide who you will relinquish your life to. Make a wise decision, but decide. Diligence is your precious possession. God has given you the ability and the opportunity to exercise diligence. And for the love of God, use it. Finally, number three. That's your sign. When his call is clear and understood, obey it. I know that there are times in your life when you will struggle with God's call. Not struggle because of disobedience, but you will struggle because you can't identify clearly what God is telling you to do. When that's the case, that's why God has placed pastors over your life. I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have a pastor when I thought God was speaking to me and I wasn't sure. I went to my pastor. And after that conversation, my deepest, darkest fear was confirmed. God was calling me into the ministry. I was terrified of it, but at least I knew. There's going to be times in your life when you don't know what God is calling you to do. I understand that. And that's okay. But you have to continue to walk in a worthy manner. You have to continue to seek God and be persistent with God. How many ladies here are persistent? Come on, your husband says you nag. That's persistence in a godly way. Persistence is nagging in a godly way. My wife's very good at that. She doesn't nag. She persists. We're persistent in many things. Be persistent in finding out what God's call is over your life. I promise you this. As I said, it, it, it's, it's very general, but it's also very specific. When the moment is right, you will know exactly what God wants you to do in that very moment. I promise you that. But if you don't do the things that have led up to this, you're not going to be able to do it. And if that's the case, it's nobody's fault but our own. So once his call is clear and understood, we have to obey that call. I cannot overemphasize the importance of obedience. If you really want to hear God's call, if you want to know what it is God is calling you to do, then you have to be ready to obey at all costs. At all costs. For some of you here, it may not be what you think it is. And I promise you this. How specific God's call is over your life, it's going to take you all to a breaking point. He's going to break you. Because all of us have been called to die to ourselves. And that might entail different things for different people. But obedience unto God is going to cost you. And it's going to cost your life. It's going to cost that you lay down your will to do what you want to do when you want to do it. 
and begin to obey God. And that's not Christianity for a full-time ministry. That's Christianity for everybody. Jesus said, he who desires to come after him, let him deny himself and what? Carry his cross daily. If we're not carrying our cross, we're not following Jesus. It's that simple. If you're not struggling in this life, I challenge you and I say to you today, you better find out who you're following because you're not following the Lord. It's a struggle to follow the Lord. Jesus says, broad is the way that leads to death, but narrow and difficult is the way that leads to life. And here it goes, and there are few who find it. I've been on the receiving end of second chances from God. Has anybody here ever received a second chance from God? You know what it's like to have failed God miserably. And know that God has given you a second chance. I've been on the receiving end of those second chances. But I'm also here to tell you that second chances aren't promised. There's a lot of people out there that believe that God is the God of second chances. I beg to differ. God does give second chances. But to title God as the God of second chances is making provision for the flesh. It's making excuses for yourself. A year and a half after leaving Egypt, God brought his people to the borders of the promised land. And he said to them, take the land, not that I will give you, take the land that I am giving you. They said, let us send in 12 spies and see what the land brings. They all saw the same thing, but not everybody interpreted it the same way. Joshua and Caleb said, let us take the land. 10 spies said, there are giants in that land and they will kill us. The nation of Israel was swayed by the interpretation of 10 men. And God was giving them the land. And they said, no, we will not enter. You know what God said? For every day that you spend in that land, you will spend a year in the wilderness. They were condemned to 40 years in the wilderness. And when they heard 40 years in the wilderness, they couldn't stand a year and a half. When they heard 40 years in the wilderness, they said, oh no, we're going in now. And Moses said, don't go in. They went in and they were defeated. Where was the second chance there? There was no second chance. When God gives you the opportunity to obey, obey it then. Don't wait for God's plan B. Whoever tells you that God has a permissive will, you tell him to shut up and tell him to find it in the Bible. Doesn't exist. God doesn't change his mind concerning you. God has the best for you now, the first time around. Esau was Jacob's older brother. The birthright was his until the day that a pot of lentils caught his attention and he sold, he gave away his birthright for a pot of lentils. Where was Esau's second chance? Hebrews reads, Afterwards he wanted to inherit the blessing, and he was rejected. He found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. The Bible says that God loved Jacob, and he hated Esau. Yes. Explain that, Pastor. I can't. But I'm not going to try to defend God when he says it in plain black and white. I love Jacob and I hated Esau. Where was Esau's second chance? He didn't get any. You know how many people are out there in the streets right now? No second chance has come their way. The great men and women of God in scripture did not waver. They seized the opportunity and obeyed God the first time around. For every Jonah, there's an Esther. Everybody always loves to throw Jonah. Oh, but Jonah! For every Jonah, there's an Esther. Whose life do you want to emulate? 
Jonah or Esther? Who recognized that she was born for such a time as this? Who recognized that God would deliver the nation, whether he did it by her hand or someone else's, God's plan was going to be done to perfection. For every Jonah, there's an Esther. Don't wait for God's plan B. Stand with me if you would this morning. This thing about God's call, it's a serious thing. It's going to cost you something. Look at what it cost Jesus. Oh, but I'm not Jesus. Then why do you call yourself a Christian? Christian is Christ-like. Your pastor said something one day that it just blew my mind. He ministered to me. He says, if you want to wear the crown of glory, you got to wear the crown of thorns. Something like that. That's how I got it. I don't know if you remember. Something like that. The cross before the glory. Something like that. See, I told you, pray for me. It's all in there. It's all a little mixed up, but it's in there. We all want the glory. We can't excuse ourselves from the suffering. It's not like, well, oh, excuse me. No, it doesn't work that way. Christ has given it all for you. Now, your calling isn't the same as mine. My calling isn't the same as yours. We're all different. But within that call, we have to obey. We have to respond. We have to be precise. Don't, don't allow yourself to be like the religious people of this world, the religious people of this time that go to a building and that's how they define church. Your life is church. You are the one who has been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. His call is all over you. His call is there every day. And I know that there are people here who wanted to shut out certain aspects of God's call. You can't do that. You can't shut out certain aspects of God's call and think you're going to be okay with God. And before we leave, I want to pray for those people. I want to be, pray for those people this morning, very quickly, for those people who are tuning out certain aspects of God's call and want to obey other aspects of God's call. If you're going through that, and you've kind of shut God out on certain areas because you're scared of what God is going to speak to you, I want to invite you to come forward, and I'm going to pray with you. I want to pray for those people whom in these last days you realize that God is calling you for something more. Not for position. And I want you to realize that. When you say God is calling me for something more, he's not calling you for more position. He's not calling you for more responsibility. He's calling you for more sacrifice. The Bible says that we are living sacrifices unto God. If God is calling you for more, he wants more of you before he gives you more of himself. And if you long to see more of him, get ready to give yourself away. For those of you who are being called unto salvation, maybe this is new to you. Maybe some of this, quite frankly, scared you. It's okay. I hope you have a good memory because every one of these words will one day pierce your heart. There's a price to pay when we hear his call. There's a price to pay if you're willing to hear his call. There is most definitely a price to pay to obey his call. God's call for you is specific. God is detailed in his call over your life. All he wants to hear from you is here I am. But he expects to see a lot more. Because when he's looking at your life, words will fail you. He wants your life. He wants every day of your life. He wants every moment that you separate for devotion to be His. There are some of you who God is calling for a deeper time of devotion. Where it's no longer going through a list of things that you need and or want. A time where you come before God 
You place before him your burdens and he will fill you with the anointing, the strength, the grace, the faith that you need. As we close here in prayer today, I ask you to tune out every other voice. To tune out everything else that's going on in your life and listen. Listen for the voice of the Lord as it speaks over you. Listen for His voice. It's like no other. And once you've heard Him, you know what He sounds like. Some of you here need to train your spirit to listen for Him. And in order for you to listen for Him, the moment's going to come where you're going to have to be quiet and listen. Listen to His voice over your life. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this day. We stand in your very presence. I thank you, O oh God, for all those who are listening for your voice. Who are hearing your call. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, for a sincere heart. I pray for a spirit that is in tune with you. A heart that longs for your presence and recognizes that they are in desperate need of you and your word. I pray for a greater understanding of your word. I even pray, Lord, for a hunger like never before for your word. With it, we pray for a greater understanding that the accumulation will not only be of wisdom. I pray for a heart of obedience. I pray that as you speak, every other word, every other voice would be ignored. I pray for every person here that the highest priority would be given for your call over their lives. I pray for those whom you have given much because much will be required of them as well. I pray for every person in this sanctuary that your call over would not be ignored, would not be rejected, would not be placed to the side. I pray for this congregation that they would have a passion to not only hear your call, but a passion to obey it. And as your word says, that they would prove, that they themselves would prove the perfect and the acceptable will of God. I thank you for their lives. But most of all, I thank you for your call over each and every one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.